Hi, this is John Cackley with Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with my colleague, Brian Sador, about how to build innovation into a company's culture. So tell me, how you've been engaged in innovation with Centric? So it started back when we wanted to get a little bit more focused on one of our core values, which is strive to innovate. That had been one of our core values or had been a core value of ours since we defined them. But um, really, it was a recognition that we could focus more on that as a firm. Uh, luckily, it was sponsored at the executive level and really an interest group in late 2015, early 2016, turned into uh, what we call a national advisory team. So I was a member of that team for a couple of years while uh, we were getting off the ground through 2017. And then I was lucky enough and honored to be asked to lead the team in early 2018. So focusing on all things innovation for Centric, both internal and external. Yeah, the team is about innovation. What, what was its yep. uh, scope? What was its mission? Okay, so its scope was not necessarily defined. It was how do we engage on innovative aspects and define innovation for ourselves? Clients are demanding innovation and, and the world doesn't stop spinning. Um, there's always going to be new <laughs> in the world. So we wanted to make sure that we had a, a dedicated team focused on defining innovation for ourselves and then also defining how we engage and can bring value to our client base on, in, on innovation topics. Okay, great. So let's take a step back. Uh, everyone uses the word innovation a lot. Uh, how would you define it? It's a little bit of a struggle because you know definitions are, are critically important for us as humans to categorize and understand, but in this sense, they can be limiting. So I'll start and then probably contradict myself in, in spots. <laughs> but, you know, if I were to do a starting definition, I would say something like the exploration of novel ideas uh, that can be advanced to pragmatic steps. And those steps would be brought to the, the effort to, to uh, bring change on either existing or maybe in, in, in pursuit of uh, introducing a new product. What I hear you say from a definition of innovation is it's looking for new solutions that could be anything, process, product, with inherently a, a drive that it has to be something that could be implemented and bring value down the road. So not just something new for the sake of something new, it's something new that uh, will bring value in in some business sense. Does that sound about right? Yeah, and you know, again, I'm glad that you called out the you know the distinction of the word product. You know, it's not physical things or even even software necessarily. So, you know, innovation, innovative thinking or innovative practices can definitely be applied to the way things get get done or processes, if you will. You know, there's a consulting practice that we have called process excellence, and that's evolving throughout you know what we do over time based on ideas and and steps that are uh, involved in, in executing against those processes so you know it definitely can be novel ideas around that as well there's another word i guess that maybe you can attach to it progress the world is constantly progressing when you sort of take a wider angle and look at a decade or more you can you can see the innovation in that way as you're really right up against it and looking at a product suite or a, a suite of services that you deliver Finding the innovation is a little bit more challenging 
for everyone. And that's why that's why there's so many countless books written on this. And, you know, it's a whole cottage industry as it relates to business thinking. So we already added sort of one caveat or one value to innovation, which is it has to turn into something, you know, with market or business value. What else would you say we value in innovation? I think there are, are components of value that can be driven from innovative practices and, and sort of taking those on intentionally. The, the value can be derived from the activities that the firm is engaging in. But so you say, you know, how do you assess or compare innovation? There's, there's the basic, you know, are you moving? Are you advancing? Even if it's ideas or, or brainstorming, that kind of a, uh, an approach. But then also, I'm a believer in iteration. You know, nobody gets it 100% right out of the gates. Marrying ideas to some of the concepts in agile development or lean startup, like test and learn or fail fast, are, are important. And they are another way to add a measurement to a degree uh, as it relates to innovation pursuits. Okay. Yeah, I like some of the ideas. They're trying to evaluate it, the iteration, the trying to assess value down the, down the line. I think an interesting thing with innovation that I've run across is that people can see innovation in different things. That is, you and I could look at the same potential innovation and come up with two entirely different things. I remember years ago, I worked for another company, and the, the CEO and owner was always coming up with these ideas. And you think, wow, that is the dumbest idea in the world. Who would buy that? Well, you know, I'd like to have his checking account probably, you know, some of the ideas he came up with. You know, as an example, not that it was one of his, but think of Twitter, right? If you pitched me Twitter 20 years ago, you'd say, yeah, it's going to be a, a broadcast text message. Uh, you know, instead of just sending an SMS to one person, I put it out there and anyone can read it. Okay. You could easily at the time have gone, I don't get it. What's the, what's the big value? But obviously it's turned into something huge, right? So the question of how you evaluate that and how you're open to something, do you see that as progress or do you think of that, uh, think of that as some sort of gadget that doesn't really, uh, you know, move the world forward? It, it, it's all in how it gets used. Right. And, and that's a, you know, I think I can draw a connection to another, another giant company that's out West in the United States that at, at least at one point had, a, you know, a legend around mm -hmm. a, allowing their employees to, to sort of play or, mm -hmm. you know, have some time specifically to be creative. Right. I, I won't say innovate necessarily, but to mm -hmm. be creative. Yet the objective there was to allow for the time. It wasn't necessarily that that 10% of time was going to specifically lift the value of the stock or probably wasn't stock at that point. I don't know if it was publicly right. traded, but right. lift the value by 10%. You know, when you, when you get into those hard measures, it can be a lot more challenging to draw the direct line. Right. I just saw another article on innovation where it touches on this topic. I saw this a couple of days ago. Uh, somebody it was in the New York Times. Somebody was writing that we don't use iPhones the way Steve Jobs expected us to. And... So the article was really written as this criticism that we didn't, that Steve Jobs would never have intended that we use it, you know, that we had it on all the time and we used it for everything. He just thought it was an iPod that could make phone calls. And the interesting thing here, you know, everyone sort of deifies Steve Jobs, but I think he, you know, first of all, I think the author missed the story, but I also think Steve Jobs missed it, right? Steve Jobs made his comments about the iPhone before they'd come up with the App Store. Right. You know, he hadn't seen, hey, this is where you go. I mean, a couple of years later, they come with the iPad. And remember, Steve Jobs said, I have no idea what people are going to use it for. And at that point, you know, he was already starting to open up, hey, the innovation is out there. It's a collective thing. It's, it's not 
just something that we can bottle up and and just you know define it here. So I think it's something where innovation can sort of surprise us coming from a lot of different directions. And it, I guess it is tough to evaluate, which I guess leads us to, you know, if it's so tough to evaluate, what we understand and what you're working on is what organizations really want, really what they seem to want is a way to make innovation a constantly repeatable process. You know, you talked about the one company, obviously they, they probably weren't banking on it, but they were hoping they would get something out of that, you know, independent innovation time. So is the assembly line a reasonable metaphor for this? You know, are people looking for an assembly line of innovation? So I, I think there's a there's a right way for depending on you know a, a number of circumstances that are specific to to the individual that is leading it or the the firm that that it's that is going to be undertaking the innovation pursuits. I think we could start from the idea of some constants, right? The world keeps spinning, and we'd all love to, but none of us can predict the future. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, we, you know, we want to okay, make sure. Okay, we'll take those as constants. Good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Those are pretty basic. Maybe, maybe some people will find them controversial, and there might be a comment on this uh, discussion that I don't agree with those constants. But in, in any case, <laughs> the notion of engaging in some deep thinking that would lead to exploring the possibilities and and trying to draw connections is is maybe a start. But your point about the assembly line, or your question, I should say, I feel is definitely relatable. You know, there's a spark or an idea, which isn't much actually, right? It's it's just just that an idea. You know, we we have hopefully we all have dozens and dozens of ideas every day, or at least thoughts, right? And it's important, but it's not really something until the hard work to build from the idea is undertaken. So, you know, whether that's on an assembly line, it has to be intentional. I like to use, uh, and I'll use a phrase, sharper words as it relates to innovation, like persistence and discipline. Uh, pursuit. I wrote some of these down. Conviction, accountability, like that's critically important for innovation. It's not just creativity or ideas. It's it's some of the hard, sharper words that I bring into the equation. And I know I don't do that independently. There's a, a number of folks that think this way. I would say that I am convinced that having a intentional process is critically important if if you're undertaking innovation pursuits. Well, that's the $64,000 question or, or more than that, isn't it? You know, how can an organization make innovation a standard part of the way that it does business so that those ideas that we're all having, those little sparks that come up every day, that they can get properly nurtured, elevated, whatever it takes. Um, what, do, what do you think an organization can do to foster that? So again, I'll use another sort of sharp word, if you will, but it takes commitment. That Maybe that's still not quite defined, again, commitment in the right circumstances to ensure that it's not just a pet project or, or a loosely supported uh, endeavor where you find some nice follow-up items through an assessment or a few tools here and there. But if you are truly committed as a firm and exercise some patience with that intentional process that works for you, you will have a set of folks or at least an understanding of what the folks that are engaging on this need to do to follow through and take things through those those processes for the firm. Again, it doesn't mean that everything on the assembly line will reach success, but you will have both defined what's important to you as a firm and then also outlined the execution path that will work based on your operations and how things uh, come together in executing your, your strategy, your customer approach, all of that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I think commitment's an important part. I, I had a client years ago that essentially was trying to, I would say, build an assembly line of uh, of innovation. I think they they didn't expect everything to be coming off of an assembly line like clockwork, like making Model Ts, but the idea was they would have this sort of social media site. People would post ideas. They would get escalated through two or three different levels of evaluation and then you know, massaging and then institutionalizing. You know, those are the ideas they had, but what they didn't have eventually was they didn't have the commitment to follow it through. First of all, who knows when you set that up, are you gonna get one idea a week or a thousand? But they didn't even really carry it out to, to see how many it would be. And then the second point is, let's say you go, hey, we're gonna do it, drown us, bring it, bring it on. What if they get a thousand in a week? What do they really do with it? And in the end, they, they had visions because there were various ideas this company had from basically sort of anecdotal things and in innovation that other companies have experienced where somebody out at a at a, a store, for example, comes up with an idea and the next thing it is it becomes it becomes well viral within the company. A great example, the Subway sandwich a five dollar foot long was invented, I think, by was a store owner either in Georgia or Florida. He had to fight the company to put it out there, but eventually he he got managed to push it through. You know, it's that sort of idea of, oh, the people, the stores will get the, will come up with this and we need to support it. But when it really came down to it, this particular company really wasn't prepared for all the investment it was going to take to support those ideas being nurtured all the way through. They, they didn't, they didn't believe it enough yet. Right. And to extend your, or the assembly line analogy, you know, an assembly line can fail at any number of points on the on the chain, so to speak, you know, it's a, it's a linear process oftentimes, or at least that's what my mind goes to for a mental construct. So, you know, when you point out that the ideas or the raw materials at the front need to be, be constantly coming, that's part of the commitment. Okay. You're, you're in a circumstance where you've got less ideas than you had predicted. How do you, you know, how do you secure more raw materials for the assembly line? How do you get more ideas? How do you generate sort of some more deep thinking? Is it possible? But, you know, committing to ex exploring that, not knowing exactly how it'll go, is, is part of the process that we would suggest people will need to be, and that's where I use the word patience, will need to be patient and, and, you know, allow for learnings throughout. Or, you know, too many ideas come through, you know, how do you prioritize? You definitely should have a construct whereby you prioritize and, and run things through this process. But if you get five good ideas, that's where you really get put to the test. Which one do you put to the top? Is it a matter of looking at the dimensions of cost and complexity? Is it a matter of, you know, valuing the upside because you've done some market research and it would really serve your customer base? I mean, any number of things will allow for a no or a stop, like a freeze right. if you we don't know what to do. And it's not necessarily anticipating those specifics, but it's it's being open to adapting and and adjusting the process as it as it unfolds, so to speak. So that raises, raises a question to me of, if you go to an organization, you're talking about the culture, you're talking about institutionalizing innovation, you know, accepting it, nurturing it. Is it something you can do at the scale of an entire corporation or does it need to be done in, in maybe a smaller chunk? Where you need to be mindful is, what are you asking of and we'll talk in, in, again, people terms, you know, we'll just focus on the human capital aspect of the, of this uh, for now. It's not limited to that, but uh, in people terms, um, what are you asking your people uh, that are critical to your mission to do? 
So I, you know, I think that there's a measure of dedicated resources that are required and it doesn't have to be dozens and dozens of, of people, but there has to be, you know, experts or, or folks that can shepherd the process. And then again, you, you mentioned the ideas or, or, you know, going from the bottom up, that is an approach for sure. And it's one that might warrant some ex exploration or a pilot, if you will, but you have to be ready to take this, the next step, as you pointed out. If a great idea comes from someone that is fur further out into the uh, operational world serving customers, are you willing to pull them off of that set of responsibilities and have them dedicate to the innovative process because you can't do it off the end of your desk? Uh, you know, that's a passion project, which is great. So if, if the approach is we're going to allow a little time for passion projects for individuals, then maybe that's an approach. But if you're really talking about dedicated disciplined innovation, and time for that, then you have to be willing to, you know, to follow through on it. And that's, again, goes back to that word commitment, right? Right, right. Are there some types of innovation you think are more valuable than others? You know, are products better than processes, you know, customer service? Is, is there anything like there or can you see value coming from anywhere? I would say that maybe it's more universal for firms or for businesses to consider, you know, focusing on incremental innovation. And uh, also, you know, maybe targeted innovation. And again, this is jargon, right? And these are some of my words. But what I mean by incremental innovation is innovation to an existing suite of products. So, um, right. you know, there's a lot of debate and conversation around blue sky innovation. You know, that's what everybody would love. The next big thing that doesn't exist yet today. And, and you know, maybe that strays a little bit more into invention. Uh, again, I won't debate whether or not it's invention or innovation, but if you're talking about making uh, something work a little bit better or seeing a use for a product that is within your product suite that is you know, based on new factors in the marketplace, that's innovation. And, and I think everybody's kind of equipped to consider those innovations. And what I mean by targeted innovation is a little bit related, but uh, definitely a different angle whereby you, know, you mentioned bottom up, bottom up, top down, however you want to define it. Targeted innovation is is maybe throwing a problem out onto the table and saying, what are ways we can address it? So, you know, I think both of those things will bring more immediate value to a firm than slicing it by product innovation or process innovation. I think, you know, any of those can be very valuable, but it's a matter of, you know, what's sort of close in or incremental versus, you know, the, the time for blue sky innovation that might be a, a much longer term thinking. Right, and actually you, you triggered another thought there, a great point. You know, I, I raised the idea of bottom-up and innovation. You described another angle of it. Imagine that you had this innovation organization, Center of Excellence for Innovation. You know, they're they're not going to be successful if they just sit there and wait for the emails to come in with great ideas. They've got to brainstorm ideas and send them out, have people, you know, the experts in certain areas play around with them. Maybe they have to go out and tell people what innovation is. You know, how do you do innovation? If you had this imaginary innovation center of excellence, what do, you, what do you think they should do? What other jobs would they have? I mean, I think it's engaging the way that you described, both with communication, education, um, fostering collaboration, all, all the shuns, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, making sure that there's the right channels for engagement to the audience. And again, you, you asked whether or not it could be the whole firm. I think transparency to the whole firm is critically important. You know, everyone understanding what's what's happening with innovation, I believe uh, personally, I guess, in, in the idea that 
by exposing and by by inviting transparency as it relates to idea sharing and and even execution against those ideas you would allow for the fact that maybe someone off to the side that wasn't involved will stumble onto it or will consume some information and add some value and maybe it's in a burst you know you know i'm seeing what you're doing here here's some customer input that i just got yesterday you know that mm -hmm. kind of a, an opportunity you know if you close yourself off and and build walls around these things then i think that you there's a potential that you've missed some opportunities for for broadening the engagement one other thing to to focus on is leading if you will so it's not just allowing for but leading through of course education and then you know posing the challenges you know whether or not if you're talking top down whether or not you call it a president's challenge or or you know you look at the strategy of the firm for the next 3 to 5 years and recognize that you know there's an approach for something but it's not fully baked maybe there's an innovation challenge that can be thrown out there and you can crowdsource some some thinking it's a you know popular buzzword these days but it's not what we all see and experience in an in the open marketplace it's taking some aspects of what we see there crowdsourcing and and ideation and bringing it into a much more intimate and comfortable setting where you know we spend every day of our working lives eight hours a day plus right and and making it real in that sense sure got to put out this one statement because i think you and i are both totally, fully in agreement on it but it leads into the next question so first of all can anyone in an organization be part of innovation yes all right so i i totally agree uh but i had the question written down i had to ask it um but it leads to the next thing can you train people to be innovative and I'm going to add to my yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, from can anyone be a, be a part of innovation? Absolutely. Put an exclamation point behind the word yes. Anyone can be involved, but not everyone will be involved. And okay. you know, again, another way to say it is innovation can come from anywhere and anyone, but it doesn't mean everyone can be expected to innovate or should be expected to innovate. Sure. Um, sure. I'm borrowing a theme there. I think I told you, you know, in one of our earlier conversations from that movie Ratatouille, where right. the antagonist, the, the the critic said he didn't understand how everyone, excuse me, how anyone could be a great chef there in that movie Ratatouille. But now after having a great meal from an unexpected source, he does understand the notion that anyone, and I'm going to use the word innovate instead, anyone can innovate, but not everyone can innovate. So you you got to you got to ferret it out. You got to you got to understand where it where it comes from and then foster and cultivate that. So, trying to connect the dots and and allow for that to to flourish is again one of one of the several million dollar questions we've been talking about. It does relate to culture and and what your company or what your firm is comfortable doing, but some overarching tenets I think are transparency, fostering collaboration, providing tools that make it easy. Fostering collaboration doesn't just mean let people email each other. It means, you know, how do people connect and, and have these conversations and studying that a little bit at least so that you can really double down on, you know, making those connections happen with less friction, uh, whether it's in-person connections and meetups, whether it's digital channels that allow for, you know, instant messaging or those types of things. That's really what a center of excellence should examine and then bring the right tools to bear that allow innovation to come from anywhere. So uh, taking out our, our center of excellence, just talking about general corporate structures, you and I have been consulting both for a long time. We've seen 
we've probably seen at least 20, 30 companies a piece, different ways of running, running businesses. The way you see companies run and organized, do you think they are positive, neutral, or negative to innovation? If you, if you polled every single one of our clients with a, a very loaded question, do you believe in innovation and think it's critically important to success? I venture a guess that we would get close to 100% agreement on that question. Sure. Um, but then as it relates to you know, the commitment, the follow through, I think a minority of, of companies are probably positive in that regard. I think that's probably more neutral and negative to, to allowing for innovation, whether intentional or not. You know, if you step back and looked at things and understood a little bit more about how they're operating, I think pragmatically running the business takes precedent. And, right. and in a sense, that's that's not a bad thing. You have to pay the bills, so to speak, keep the lights on all the cliches that we've heard in consulting. But if you've crowded out the opportunity for innovation completely, then you're definitely missing opportunity. So that's the crack in the door that you need to sort of open a little bit further to say, you know, okay, you believe in innovation, you recognize that you have to run your business. How do you open the door a little bit more to allow for innovation? And and what are you comfortable with there? So exploring that and really stepping back from it, I think is a strategic pursuit of executives, operating committees, whatever you want to call it. I was going to throw an example out from my own experience, but you actually covered it so well, I'm, I'm going to skip, skip my anecdote. You know, you can look at it and say, well, it's, a, it's an extra cost to, for instance, the example you gave before, give everyone that one day a week, one day a month where they're working on a passion project or they put their feet on their desk and just think about what they could do to innovate. But at the same time, if you don't do it, if you never have that bit of extra space, you know, you're never going to innovate anything. Yeah. And, and again, you know, you've made me think of a question that I'll probably ponder for a while. I'll, I'll ask myself out loud and, you know, of mm -hmm. course, love an answer from you, but efficiency, the enemy of innovation. That, that well, we could have an entire session on that because I think you could say driving for efficiency has actually led to a great deal of innovation. Maybe it becomes a short-term versus long-term. So here we go. I'm going to go right back to my anecdote. So a million years ago, I was on a project doing a methodology for project management methodology for a, a company, and I had to do training for it. I had to you know, explain the whole process, why we're doing it, you know, why a methodology and standards is good. And I had a little bit of time before I had to deliver it. So I, I wasn't running right up, right down to the wire on it. And I came up with a, I don't want to say it was innovative. It was sort of a one-off thing, but I, I basically turned it into a game. It wasn't just going to, I thought, good grief, me standing in front of this group for two hours talking about project management methodology, you know, shoot me now, shoot them. I mean, no one would want to hear that. Now, it turned out they were so desperate they would have loved it. But what I did was I came up with, well, let's make it a game. I'm looking at an exercise where the, the group will be in teams actually managing real projects in, in the course of an hour, which is all based on uh, having to uh, assemble an erector set of a helicopter, uh, one of the probably the most fun I've ever had at work. But I did it because I had the time, right? And I'd like to think that it was more effective as a learning exercise, even than the, uh, you know, two hours of lecture and examples would have been. Maybe it's not so much an efficiency question as then we get to that razor sharp line of efficiency versus effectiveness. Right. 
Absolutely. And, and again, you know, I think you, you, you bring up some critical points, how striving for efficiency invites innovation, but it's innovation isn't cost neutral. Like you used the word neutral right. before innovation mm-hmm. costs uh, or right. allowing for innovation. But you know, the thing that came to my mind as it relates to innovation, and this is a physical analogy, but you know, NASA or, you know, you know space, space exploration, it right. feels like in every single one of those historical movies that I've seen that kind of take on Apollo missions or any of these other challenges that the ridiculously brilliant NASA scientists would take on is mm-hmm. how do we do, how do we do it with these component parts or more with less, so to speak? So it's an innovation pursuit to be efficient. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess my question was more born from is operational efficiency as a goal in opposition of inviting innovation right i mean does it is it at odds with inviting innovative approaches yeah you know i think we'll have to leave that uh for our listeners to ponder and maybe we'll have a (laughs) another session on that this has been centric biz and tech talks thanks to brian store for joining me and thank you for listening